for me, now that I've worked with her for so long, that's like a normal thing. And I know it's not normal. I know that that's like a big deal. And so I was like bottom of the barrel. I was the new kid on the block. Can you let me know? <laughs> I mean, obviously, we've seen all this stuff on the news. I fucking ran out of rollers. And I was like... <laughs> Hello. Hi. And welcome back to another episode of Break Room Banter. It is a hairstylist adjacent podcast where each week, two friends who also happen to be hairstylists break down our weeks in the break room. I'm your host, Hunter Walden. And I am your hostess, Erica the Red. <laughs> and our guest today has made his way from Arkansas to Destin, Florida, and then to Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> And then on to music videos and photo shoots. He didn't stop there. He went on to reality TV and Opry debuts. And we're honored to be fit into his insanely busy schedule. Joining us in the break room today, Tyler, Tyler Bishop. Bishop. <laughs> Round of applause. <laughs> Round of applause. Okay, so first question is, you went to hair school in Arkansas, right? Yes. Okay, so tell us about that. What was that like? Which ended up benefiting me in the end. Okay, how so? Because Arkansas has you have to have fifteen hundred hours and do the practical and the written. Mm -hmm. And in Florida, where I actually got most of my training, it's twelve hundred hours and just a written. So if I moved up here, oh, I would have had to go back to school. To school. Yeah. Okay, so that's crazy. My license from Arkansas to. Okay. Part of the reason I moved back to Oregon when I went to beauty school instead of doing it in Massachusetts was for that because they have such high hours that I'm like, yep. I could move anywhere. That's cool that that worked out for you like that. Nice. But yeah, it was just like any other hair school. Like I didn't go somewhere that was like a Paul Mitchell or an Aveda or um, so I went to like what would be considered like a nicer school in the area. Um, but I mean, we all had to take the same test. So it was all like, you know. Roller sets, perms, beauty all school the shit. shit that we run from. Yeah, especially in hair school. They're like, "Oh, we've got this," and I'm like, "Oh, lunch." <laughs> I look at the time. Yep. I gotta go. I gotta go. So, from Arkansas, you said you worked there for like what nine months ish, mm -hmm. and then moved to Destin. Yes. Why Destin? So we had vacation there growing up and I loved it. I wanted to be somewhere away from home. Northeast Arkansas was not kind to um, me for obvious reasons. Um, and I just wanted to branch out. I wanted to do something new and um, that was a little familiar to me. So it wasn't like I was moving to a city that I didn't know. So it's like, I love the beach. I love the water. Um, nobody told me that everything died in the winter like it does <laughs> i didn't move far enough south yeah destin and the panhandle yeah. can get a little iffy it yeah. gets cold there and like we locals they're called the redneck riviera because there's not really a lot of change from northeast arkansas to there on a normal basis scenic wise okay <laughs> so you're like this is comfy for me yeah let me like break out of the shell here right and then Around, correct me if I'm wrong, 2018? Uh, 17, 18, yeah. 17, 18, you moved to Nashville. Yeah. Okay. February. Okay. So then when you moved to Nashville, you w worked at an Aveda salon, correct? Yes, because I worked at one salon while I was in Florida for years. And it was an Aveda salon. I was Aveda trained. So that was, again, like familiar to me. Mm. Okay. So I had their rep con contact a rep up here. And then I sat down with her, and she told me, like, six different places to go and tour. And that was the one that was most, uh, like, welcoming, and I liked it. So I worked there. And it's a nice location, too, mm -hmm. right on West End. Yep. Okay. And then from there, you upgraded a bit <laughs> and, and moved to another salon in Nashville that was a, is an Aveda salon. Yeah. In Green Hills. Yes. So my best friend that I'm I met at um, can we say the salon's name? Yeah, if you want. At True Blue. Mm -hmm. uh, my best friend I met at True Blue. Her name's AJ. Uh, she we just clicked, 
and she was in talks with because she had done fashion week and stuff like that and i wanted to do fashion week at that point and um she was in contact with spoken wheel and they were telling her that they were going to potentially possibly open up a location in nashville and so um when they finally like set a date decided the location they contacted her she was one of their first hires and she was like i have a friend so i actually called in sick on one of my days that i was working tea and flew took a red eye to la and had to sit with their um their lead education team cut and color and do like a full interview and then i had to shadow and they just wanted to see if i fit in with their crowd they're very much like uh culture culture mm-hmm. um but i was hired and so like flew back that that next night that night actually so it was like a 24 hour flight fiasco <laughs> and then worked the next day and then we turned our really like our month notice in um did they let you work it no okay yeah i was gonna be surprised if they me too she was beyond pissed um but but yeah we started working at spoken wheel that's amazing and then was it there that you started gaining the clientele that you were looking or seeking for a little um but not till I got to parlor. Which is the next salon. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's where it kind of gets a little blurry online. Okay. As to like where you were. It was like, I don't know, a little confusing to the eye of someone who okay. wasn't on the inside. And when we were on the phone, we, you talked a lot about like gatekeeping and like pulling a curtain back. Is this the time where you started to realize that the industry was a little more catty than you thought? Honestly, it was when I was in Florida. Yeah, it was when I was in Florida. And it wasn't like major things. It was just small things. Like I was like bottom of the barrel. I was the new kid on the block. I was, you know, an assistant that was trying to build a clientele. And with Aveda salons come a lot of like structure and um, it's almost a little pyramidy where once you reach this next level, you can act this way or you can do this or you can push people around or you can. And so a lot of the stylists acted that way. And it wasn't really the senior stylist that I had a major issue with it was the stylists that were in the middle that were really trying to get oh to trying to get up there so mm-hmm. they probably felt like, like they were treated that way by yep. people above them and so they turned around and treated all of us that way around 2021 ish is that when you met the chris please yes okay got yeah. it and how did that go so um, I started doing celebrity hair in 2019. And um, through that, I met like makeup artists and hairstylists and wardrobe stylists. And um, there was a makeup artist that I became really close with. Um, and we worked a lot together. And she actually got um, the pickup for doing their makeup for show got it okay makeup artist had left and um so she had like gave my name and a few times i had like reached out can you hear me now (laughs) so she had given them my name yeah and um they are very much creatures of habit okay they're very much like i'm gonna turn this a little bit is that better um they're very much creatures of habit um so them branching out and using somebody new that they don't even know was just like not scary. Happen. Yeah. Not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. And they're very like protective of their inner circle because I mean, obviously we've seen all the stuff on the news, but yeah. they are very good people and they want to protect that core. Got it. Um, so Julie was the first one to call me mm-hmm. and 
I had never done hair like that. Yeah. Like um, Southern Belle hair. Yes. Yeah. Like roller set. <laughs> I was used to doing more like deconstructed beach way. Yeah. You know, if there's a hair out of place, it's fine. Uh-huh. Um and so I was so nervous. Understandably. I called, <laughs> I called two of my friends that were really good at that. One of them did that, like, uh, a Biza brush blowout where he, like, Ooh, left all the brushes uh-huh. in the hair. And I was like, that's what she wants. Mm-hmm. So I called him, and I sat with a mannequin um, for a full, like, 24 hours in my apartment, round brushing and leaving brushes in. And to try and round brush and give lift to a mannequin that's sitting on a mm. stand without popping With it ripping off. it off, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was, That's funny. It was so fun. But um, I bet you do a really good blowout now. I do, but it took me a minute. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I went there. Um, I think it was for Weight Watchers that we were doing a shoot for. And I had brought all these uh, rollers. Mm-hmm. Well, she has so much fucking hair. Like, all of her hair is real. Dang. It's like a helmet. Like a halo. <laughs> And I fucking ran out of rollers. Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm, like, sitting behind her, like, round brushing her hair, putting everything in rollers. And I'm sweating. And all I could think about was, okay, the only option I have is for me to take the bottom ones out that have sat the most and move them up, move them forward. Was that one of those moments where you're like, shit. Yes, I should. I have bed. F- faked it till I made it. I'm in the room, and now what the fuck am I doing? Because, oh my god! And she made it worse. She didn't make it worse. I was the one that made it worse. But it it was worse because once I started moving the bottom ones up to the front because that was my only option. Yeah. She literally went, "What are you doing?" Oh shit! And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Oh no!" So I think I said something sassy like, "I know what I'm doing, girl." And she just turned around, and I could see my friend's face that was doing her makeup. Like, so I knew that they were like looking at each other. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? So then, like ten minutes later, Savannah walks in, and I had never met her before. And she's sitting at like the dining room table, like facing us, and she like, not so subtly, but so subtly, is like, you know, mom likes a lot of volume. And I now know that, like, Julie had texted her to say, like, hey, I don't want to say anything, but you say it. And I was like, yeah, I know. Oh. Oh. God. I would have been sweating. I was sweating. And so I literally, like, went home, and I just went to bed. Because I was like, it's it's been a fun ride. This was It's over. Yeah, it's over for me. Is this Never the end? work in this city this again. This is the end. The gig is up. So it obviously wasn't as big as what she wanted. And um, she texts me like three or four hours later after set was done. And she was like, everyone loves my hair. Thank you so much. You're such a great stylist. I want to use you again. And I could have just, you know, like cried screaming. Yeah. So um, that was my first meet with him. And then I did her and Nanny's hair for their last season of the cover photo. Um, oh. And then my old mentor in Florida, which I'm sure that you follow, Sarah, um, her Instagram is Sarah May, level 10. I do follow her. Yeah. So that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, but that's, she's who like gave me all my hair confidence and taught me everything that I know. Mm-hmm. And they were flying her up every now and then to do their hair. And so she, I was at Oksana, and um, she was like, can I use your space? And Oksana was like, absolutely. So she was like, well, can you assist me like the old days so we can like nail this out? And I was like, sure. So I went, and they had known me just from those few times. And they were like, oh, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I work here. And Sarah was like, remember I told you I have somebody in Nashville to do your hair if – you didn't want to use me it's Tyler and they're like oh we know Tyler and so that was kind of like the entrance into 
the family. Got it. Okay. You were, they had already tasted you a little and then they, she vouched for you. Yeah. Got it. So then was. They didn't know I did color. That's crazy. They just thought I styled. Because oh. a lot of people that they hire for stuff like that, they just style or just do makeup. Oh, not okay. Not in the salon. And in the salon, did you, you were in a com- whoa, compartmentalized salon, right? Mm-hmm. So you were only a colorist in the salon, right? So that was kind of the reason why I left Spoken Wheel. Because when we first initially were hired, it was like, we know that you have both guests. And so we're going to let you keep both guests. And then it was a thing because a lot of the people that moved there, especially the cutters, didn't have clients. Mm-hmm. And so if we were the only people that had clients, they were just sitting around, not doing anything. And so it kind of became like this thing. Gotcha. Mm. That, that makes a lot of sense because I do, I do both. And yeah, I would be I like, both. I would feel weird having my client yeah. go to someone else. But it works for some people. Yeah, absolutely. So was the first look that you did for Savannah the, like, long ponytail moment? No. Um, We did a lot of just, like, her regular style, like with Bob. Oh, okay. Um, But the ponytail moment was, like, a moment. She was a moment. So... Are you talking about when she had like the red, white, and blue? Yes. It was yeah. like a dress and yeah. she's standing to the side and she has this long pony. Um, I have a question about things like that. So like ponytails, styles that you need to add extensions yeah. to because you do a lot of that mm-hmm. like on your Instagram showing people how to make it last longer, which is great. If you don't follow Tyler, you should. He has a lot of like cute little tips and tricks. But... How do you charge for looks with extensions like that? It's a, okay. it's like a multi-question. So first, how do you charge with looks like that? Do you keep those extensions on hand at all times? And then what does that investment look like for you to build your kit? So I'll kind of go over. I'm going to mix the questions up. Because That's to, fine. To build my kit, um, I became a brand ambassador for Bellamy early on when I was doing um, Jesse James Decker's hair. And they sent me ponytails, clip-ins, and I didn't get them for free, but I got like a major discount on them. Um, So I bought a ton. And it was one of those where I I had a good check from my salon because, I mean, most of us hair shows live paycheck to paycheck, let's be honest. Um, So I got a good check, so I was like, okay, I'm going to use this invest in this so that I can use it later and it worked out um I bought ponytails first and then clip-ins and then um I did the same thing when I started um being an influencer for lace hair extensions which is who I work with now just the quality of the hair and everything that they do is just I love them amazing so how would someone go about becoming it? Do you have to have that celebrity client already? Do you need, what are the steps that you took to get that? So I reached out to Bellamy because I had a friend here, you know, Gina. Yeah. Um, and she helped me facilitate that conversation because I was already um, a brand ambassador for Unite. Um, okay. And so I do think that that helped me in a way because Bellamy wasn't the first company that I was putting on my Instagram bio Mm -hmm. as like brand partnered with. Um, So they saw that another company had already invested Invested in in you. Mm -hmm. So they were like, okay, well, we're not going to give it to him for free Mm -hmm. because he doesn't have a big following. He doesn't have, he's not doing somebody in LA and California and flying all over but we'll right. give them something. And so it did allow me to, because, you know, I don't have a lot of money. I'm mm-hmm. a hairstylist. Yeah. So it did allow me to buy more mm-hmm. so that when I did need it, I had it. I love that. Yeah. That's smart. Because I was just thinking, like, so you're obviously asking for these pieces back right after the event. It depends on the person. Like, um, you know, I always. I hate social media so much, and you'll notice that I fluctuate. Like, I'll post a lot, and then I won't post for two weeks. And it's just because it's so Mm -hmm. 
time consuming. And so just, I hate the minutia of it, not just the time, but like why you have to do it, what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, talk about gatekeeping. Instagram fucking gatekeeps. <laughs> They're yeah. like, okay, we've changed the algorithm. We're not going to tell you what it is. But the moment that like a third of you figure it out, we're going to change we're it. We're going to change it yes. again. And then you talk to influencers and they're, you're like, okay, like, how are you growing? How yeah. are you building? Is it five hashtags? Am I supposed to post twice a day? Is like, it 30 is hashtags? It? Yeah. And they're like, oh, you just got to be consistent. And I'm like, girl, don't lie to me. Yeah. Honey, you are lying out your teeth right now. I feel like pe- some people probably more people pay for their followers than maybe we realize sometimes. I've hired like three different people at this point mm-hmm. to like run my social media and none of them have been. One of them was like just somebody that was really successful at herself. Yeah. Another, the other two were like with a company, two different companies and it was just not the vibe. Not, no. not it, huh? So you huh. got to do it yourself. I hate social media. I don't think I'll ever have a good social media. <laughs> what were the other two questions? Um, okay, so how would you charge for a look like that? Okay. And do you keep them on hand, and what was the investment? So you've already answered the last two. Okay. So, so what do you charge? My do-and-go is $300. And then my day rate is 1100 to $1,500, depending on how long Okay. there. Um, but I say all that to say, depending on the client, if that's not in their budget, I'm not going to say no. Yeah. And I have to be careful with that. And this is just me being completely fully transparent. I have to be careful with that because I I have a relationship with my clients where if we're on set and there is a production team that's paying for everyone to be there, then that's what my rate will be. Mm-hmm. And they will stand up for me. If production's like, we're not paying them that, they'll stand up for me because – when it's coming out of their own pocket and they don't want to do their own glam because they're going to be on TV, they're going to be, you know, doing interviews, then I will discount my rate to something that is more affordable for them personally. Gotcha. I love that. That makes sense. And what would, what is considered? Everybody does that by the way. Nobody Mm -hmm. fucking says it. No one does. Nobody says it. And I'm totally fine with saying. I we talk uh, we talked like a while ago about emotional pricing. Mm-hmm. With yeah, Nina with Nina, Tulio. and she is a v- huge advocate of like no emotional pricing. But even she said like, "There's going to be times when yeah. it's like, this is something that you want to do. You yeah. need to yeah, that is the emotional price." Yeah. And the way that I look at it is. It's a lot harder for a hairstylist, like some of my friends, they just style. Mm. So for me to come in and discount my rate when we're both charging the same thing, and they may be charging more than me, it's hard for them to see that because it makes people not want to go to them because they're only charging that rate because that's what pays the bills. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Got so it. I totally understand the yeah. frustration. I totally understand um, them getting mad at me when I do do that. But for me, my what pays my bills is me being behind the chair. Mm-hmm. And so doing all of these high-profile clients, um, it allows me to elevate my prices behind the chair. Yep. People want to come see me yep. because I do their hair mm-hmm. or their color or whatever it is that they, they want to come see me for. And then I build relationships with them as well. Yeah. And then all of my celebrity clients on the back end, they always take care of me Mm -hmm. when, like I said, when there's like a production team or a film crew that's actually putting something on, they're going to make sure that I get what I'm supposed to be paid. Yeah. So. That makes a lot of sense because you are, I mean, you're like, like you said, it's not what pays the bills for you. So you can go in at a discounted rate, but you're building relationships, which are just going to you know, give you a little bit more exposure right. and get it's, you. It's with the film crew, too. It's, yeah. It's with mm-hmm. wardrobe. It's with lighting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's with everybody. You have those relationships because, you know, you're all there for the same purpose. Mm-hmm. Well, I took a class from Camille Friend, and she was talking about um, 
So, so there are some celebrities that she calls it the juice. They have the juice to get their exclusive artist. Like, mm. yeah, they're not going to use the one that's provided by pro- production. You're right. going to pay for their exclusive artist. Right. That's it sounds like that's what you're working for. You're working yeah. for those relationships because right. you want that as a client. You don't right. want it just to say you're doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And most of the people that I work with, they if they were offered production glam, they would say no. Because, you know, when you're getting your makeup done, you can normally do it better than most people. Yeah. You do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And so if you've got two or three people that know your face, know what you like. Know how to know do your makeup. Works, yeah. Then it's a similar. Yeah. And it's similar with hair. Hmm. Do you ever like sit and think, I can't believe I'm doing this? Like, yeah, be sometimes. back like a little boy yeah. going to beauty school. And like now you're like, holy crap. Yeah. I'm sometimes. Um, I think I, I do it. I don't get starstruck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's another thing that has really aided me in doing hair. Because when I come in, if it's a first time meeting you, mm-hmm. I'll sit down. I set my station up. And we talk like I would talk to a client. Normal client. Yeah. yeah. Like, what would you do last night? You know, how long are you here for? Mm-hmm. Do you need any restaurant recommendations? It's nothing like um, about their life. Or yeah. how they got where they are. Or can you tag me in a post? Or, you know, that that comes later when you've built that relationship. Mm-hmm. So I never get starstruck, but there have been moments where I just, I'm like, I think one of my biggest ones was, like, I grew up in country music. Mm-hmm. Or not in country music, but listening to yeah. music. And, um I was doing a band's hair called Temecula Road, which they've since split up. Um, But one of the girls was dating Sarah Evans' son. Okay. And Sarah was looking for a new hairstylist, and she was like, who does your hair? So that's how I got Sarah, and I started doing her hair. And she's so normal. She's so down to earth. She's so just just like a good mom. Yeah. Like somebody that you want to hang out with. And um, the first couple of times I did her hair, I was just like, I can't believe this. (laughs) Do you know who you are? Right. And, you know, her whole family is so kind. They're just great people. But being able to work with her for these couple years now. And she finally got inducted into the Grand Ole Opry. And um, I was shocked that she hadn't. Yeah. But with her being who she was. um, But I was so excited that I was able to be there and do the hair. And um, she got my parents' front row seats. And so they got to witness everything and then go to the after party and meet her. And for me, now that I've worked with her for so long, that's like a normal thing. And I know it's not normal. I know that that's like a big deal. And so it was honestly more heartwarming for me to let my parents experience Mm -hmm. that than it was for me to do it. That's cool. That, yeah, that made, gave me, like, goosies just then. <laughs> Your parents getting to see that, like, I went to hair, like, we're from Arkansas, mom right. and dad. Like, and look, you're front row at the Opry. Right. That is insane. That's so cool. I know. That's, that, yeah. Um. Okay, so here's what I want to know. You're a celebrity stylist. Like, we were talking about this earlier. I hate that phrase. Well, you know, <laughs> you, you're doing famous people's hair, that their hair gets seen by way more people than right. your average client, you know? Is that, like, is there a pressure knowing that, like, do you ever see people be like, ah, that ponytail looks stupid, or, like, is there any shit like that I that goes on? I am my biggest critic. Yeah? I'm such a perfectionist. Um, but I'll actually, like, I have a folder on my iPad of all the looks that I've done Mm -hmm. and I'll pick them apart or things that I think that are great. Mm -hmm. I'll like save for a year from now and then I'll look back at it and be like, Oh, I could have done that better. And it just makes me a better stylist Uh because it makes me, and it also celebrates that I'm farther along in my career Mm -hmm. that I can pick that out now. Yeah. Um, the same with color placement, cutting. Um, but no, 
was your question? Well, just like your your Sorry, work squirrel. is on the you know a bigger stage, I guess. And so, like, does that ever give you more pressure? But I mean, if you're the one picking yourself apart, then it doesn't give me more pressure. It gives me more pressure for it to look good on camera. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're asking about what other people say about it, yeah, I'm more protective, and I'm sure. If you've done your deep dive, you've seen my comments on Instagram and uh, TikTok. I'm more protective of my clients. A lot of the negative comments that I get are not about me. Mm-hmm. They're not about their hair. Mm-hmm. It's about who they are or their family. Or gotcha. And for me, I, I have tried to be better about letting things go. Like, you know, they obviously don't know them. Mm-hmm. But I know them on a personal level. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about the Chrisleys. It's anybody that Mm -hmm. I do hair for. I know them on a personal level and have seen things behind the scenes that they've gone through. And they're people. And, you know, these people that are writing all these nasty negative comments that think that this is just what they signed up for because they're on TV. um, They go home and have to listen to all those comments and read all those Mm -hmm. comments. And it just grinds my fucking gears. So I'm like, you know what? If you've got time in your single wide trailer to type this <laughs> on a few keys that stick, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> I've got, I've got, I've got a little time for you too. Yeah. Yep. Huh. So since we're on celebrity hair, you have like with you have a higher paying client, right? With the higher paying client comes a higher expectation. Right. And that might even mean a higher expectation of your time. Right. So how do you set a boundary with those people that sometimes don't have a boundary? I am terrible at answering this question because I don't. I'm, I'm trying to get better about that. Um, but full transparency, like I... And this is with clients, too, not just high-profile clients. But, like, when they need in, like, I'm like, well, I did take off that last week. Or the last time they came in, I was <laughs> sick. So you make these mm-hmm. excuses, especially when you're doing high-profile clients. Yeah. Because they're on their own time schedule. And we all know that or we're afraid that if you say no, that may be the last time yeah. that you do their hair. And so there's this, like, balance of – you know, I need a mental health day. I am exhausted. My people pleasing could never. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what if this was the last Seriously, time? yeah. So, you know, I'm terrible at answering that, just being fully transparent. Because I don't. I'm trying to get better about that. I actually just did that this week. Um, But I have this thing with my clients personally that, they know that I do high-profile hair. They mm-hmm. know that set work is generally the week of. Yeah. I'll get a call on Sunday. Can you come in on Thursday and do so-and-so? And then I have to reschedule my Thursday. And nobody is ever upset about it, but it's because I come in on my days off to get them in so that they're still on their same schedule. Everything flows. So they give me a little and I give them a little. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to, like, put my foot down. And be like, nope, that's my day off. That makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense, though. So, would you say that attributes to your success, though? Because, like you said, your income comes from behind the chair. So, right. if you have to reschedule, and you're only working these three days in the right. week, sorry, I can't get you in for six months. Those people are going to go find somebody else. Of course, mm-hmm. I would. Yeah. So, if they couldn't get me in in two weeks, I would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because in their mind, they're like, well, I love that for you, but I've scheduled this appointment and I've scheduled three more in advance because mm-hmm. that's what your structure is. That's what you want me to do. And now four days before I've had this on my calendar at work, I have kids mm-hmm. and I'm driving 30 minutes to come see you. So I get both sides. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like all of your clients, like a hundred percent of your clients are totally down to reschedule when you have to do something like that? I've lost clients for sure. Um, and I totally understand that. And generally, I mean, it's very few and far between, but I'll recommend them to somebody else that I feel like will do just as good or better of a job mm-hmm. um, that may be closer to them or more their vibe or 
um, I haven't lost any clients. I don't think in the last like three or four years that was like a tumultuous situation. I feel like it's kind of part of, you know, stylists talking about building their dream clientele. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah, that yeah. losing well, people were the growing pains for you to mm-hmm. get to the dream clientele. Well, that's what I was going to get in that too is like, well, maybe all the people that were irritated by it have right all moved on to different people. And so now, yeah, the pool that you've got, they, they know and they're down with it and they right. don't care because they want you to do their hair. Right. So, um, if you, if there was advice you could give someone to do, let's say maybe three things that could elevate their client experience behind the chair, what would you say those three things are? Great question. Um, one of the first things that I did when I was at um, Avant-Garde in Florida, which was my Florida salon, mm-hmm. um, one of the senior stylists actually told me this. Um, it might have been the owner. But to make notes with every client that you get. Mm-hmm. Make three notes. Uh, maybe their kid's about to graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Or they're about to, you know, whatever it is, they're about to get a new job, or they've thought they about take applying. Their coffee. Yeah, they've th- yeah they've thought about applying for a new job because the moment that they come in, they know or think that you've mm-hmm. seen hundreds of people since you've seen them, mm-hmm. and you sit, they sit down, and instead of saying like, okay, so what are we gonna do today? They say, you say, you know, so like, how is everything going with the move? Or did you get the job? They're like, how the fuck did you remember that? Yeah. And then you you got them. That's good. Because everybody wants to be heard. Everybody yeah. wants to be seen and felt. And Because that's exactly what I'd say when they sit down. Hey, girl, what are we doing today? And it's one thing. <laughs> you change that note every yeah. time. So that's it may really be the same advice. two things, but then the third thing has changed. Mm-hmm. And um, so I do that. And... Um, what else um talking in front of them and not behind them which i'm also bad at Mm -hmm. i go straight to behind the chair and um so i've tried to change that and keeping things fresh i feel like even if you're doing the exact same thing like change the placement or tell them that you're changing the placement Mm -hmm. or shift them gears a little bit on like a little bit more root or a little bit more low light because you do have that crowd that always wants the same thing. Mm-hmm. But most people, isn't there like a shelf life for a client, for a stylist? Yeah. They say that the number one reason a client leaves a stylist is because they want change. Yep. Yeah. So, so if you're not offering it, they'll yeah. just go to someone that will. So change it. Um, my old uh, boss at parlor was very good at, um, she always changed the aesthetic of the salon. Mm-hmm. And that really kept people wanting to come back. Mm-hmm. So uh, not necessarily the stylist changed, but the aesthetic always changed. She was always adding things or doing things or um, offering, uh, not discounts, but it would be like a retail thing or there was always something for for salon uh, or stylists to promote, yeah, um, for the client to come in and be like, oh, always the new, yeah. latest, and greatest. She was really great at that. I love that. So you could do that. You could change aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, you could make notes. You could make notes about like how they take, like he said, how they take their coffee. Yeah. At my, I have a salon suite. I don't have a salon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have like a a drink station. Okay. Where I've got like a fancy coffee maker and espresso machine and snacks. And a mini fridge with an assorted amount of beverages. Mm-hmm. And I make little notes. Like, if if something's not going, I will literally take it out of the tray and throw it away. Or put it in the break room and fill it with things that go. Yeah. Because if the snack tray's always empty, that's not a bad thing. No. Right. That's that means good. they're enjoying what they're getting. Yeah. Um, and same for the drinks. So, I think those three things don't cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in a suite, if you're at your station at a commission-based salon, if you're a booth renter, um, because you can offer those, a commission stylist or a commission owner is not going to tell you no. 
Yeah. And if they do, you're in the wrong salon. So you can have things at your station that maybe, you know, aren't offered to everybody else, which is only going to make everybody's clients want to come to you. Right. I want to go sit there. They get snacks. (laughs) I've heard clients across, like, the way saying stuff about, like, well, you've never given me a hand massage Mm -hmm. while I'm giving a hand massage and CJ shampooing or vice versa or, like, I've heard people say, like, ooh, I would like a steam treatment, or I would like that, or I would like this. And it just makes me think, okay, I need to keep doing these things, even though my clients aren't saying that they love it. it, They're used to it. And other people want this. Right. So I I like all of those little tricks, and it helps CJ in the corner (laughs) as she's trying to grow her clientele. So... How much would you say your the places that you've positioned yourself over the years has attributed to your success with the clientele that you've built? And how much of that would you say is what you've done on the back end to attract your clientele? Um, I mean, you always want to be where the people are. So me going to... You know, Spoken Wheel was is an amazing salon there all over the country. You know, the owners run Fashion Week for Aveda. I mean, mm-hmm. they're a big deal. Um, and so that was definitely um, a leg up in, like, the Aveda world. But I don't think that their business model here necessarily was helpful for me because I already had a clientele. Um, it was not a full clientele. But, you know, they want me to departmentalize. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to do that. So um, really probably my elevation came when I moved to Parlor. Um, But ironically, the clientele that I got was not from Parlor. It was from other people. Um, Like Temecula Robe was my first band that I did. And I had done... um, the owner's daughter's hair for a photo shoot of a greenhouse mall. And the girls in the band lived down the street from her and asked her who did her hair. So nothing was like given to yeah. me. Um, and then through them, their manager was Jesse's manager. So I got Jesse through doing that band for six or seven months. And then one of the girls started dating Sarah's son. And I, I got Sarah through that. And the makeup artist that I worked with with Temecula, I got the Chrisleys through. Mm-hmm. So none of it was really – it was just like having good relationships. Good with, relationships yeah. and good connections. It's, yeah. yeah, the way that you built the connection that you had, mm-hmm. it was a all word of mouth. Yeah. That's really cool. Good for you. Thanks, girl. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, what advice do you have for somebody who wants to do what you do? Um, that's hard. I mean, I feel like you've already given. A I lot was of gonna say, advice, yeah, but the question's on there, so that's I hard you. because I know the answer is gonna seem cliche. Yeah. <laughs> um, you really, honestly, have to get with someone that is like-minded mm-hmm. and doesn't gatekeep. That's the biggest mm-hmm. thing is like, I still, as a stylist, when I go on to sets, am afraid if I see another hairstylist to ask them like what's in their kit. Gotcha. Because they're not going to fucking tell me. Yeah. Mm-mm. And me, I'm like, here, it's. Uh. Mm-hmm. You um, post it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you just don't get a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Or they intentionally will give you like A, B, and D and skip C just so that you're not. So you're confused. Yeah. And I hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to get with somebody that's like-minded. Yeah. Um, take your time. Mm-hmm. Because I kind of got, like, thrown into it. Yeah. And not in a bad way, but it was just, like, I had to hit the ground running with the tools that I had in my toolkit at that at point. At the moment, moment. And figure it out. And nobody told me, like, how to look at the screen versus what you're seeing in person. And because that's what everybody's going to see. They're not going to see this. Mm-hmm. They're going to see that. 
and all these little tips and tricks or the producer or somebody on set is going to be like, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? How to step into, and everybody's different. Every producer's different, but some people will just let you walk in and they'll stop filming. Mm -hmm. Others, you have to like ask them to walk in. So there's a lot of like little things behind the scenes that I had to learn all on my own and nobody helped me. And sometimes people that could have helped me didn't. Didn't help you. Dang. I have a question. Yeah. So as a colorist, mm-hmm. um, what are things that you change when you know that that hair color is about to be on a camera versus your guests that are lawyers, right. doctors? Great question. So what I normally do if it depends on the client, like for take Savannah, for example, a lot of times we'll do minis and partials and half heads. Um, and I just move the color around where she needs it. So everything seems uh, perfect at all times, but it also gives her hair a break um, so that it doesn't break. Um, Cause she blown honey. Yeah. <laughs> but if I know that she is going to be like on special forces, I did a, a, what I would consider like a transformation foil. It was like a full foil. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't know she was going to have her hair short. How is her hair mm-hmm. going to be going down? Is it going to be half yeah. up, half down? Is it going to be all the way up? Is she going to have this bottom part right here that she can't fit the ponytail mm-hmm. down? Like, I didn't know where the camera was going to be. And it they have no glam. Yeah. Like, she got to bring a toothbrush and toothpaste. They had to brush their hair with a fork. A dingle, a dingle hopper. Yes, dingle <laughs> hopper. Literally. Oh my god. So I knew that like it needed to be perfect because it was going to be yeah. wet. It was going to mm-hmm. be up. She was going to be sweating. There was no time for like a blowout and waves yeah. and mm-hmm. for it to look good. It so had it to had live to in everyday good. life with yeah. no preparation. So I think that's like situational. Yeah. Um, especially like, are you talking about somebody like that or somebody like Sarah? You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess I just thought. You know, sometimes you get your hair color on a camera and it looks completely different. It's a different color, it yeah. It really So does. I was wondering if there were specific things that you know, like, okay, if I use too much ash, it picks up right. way too dark. Or if I'm adding too much gold, it looks brassy. Mm-hmm. And something like Savannah, she's very neutral yes, toned blonde. But on camera, it she's reads. white. Yes. And everybody thinks that she's like a sheet of paper. <laughs> in person yeah but she's not she's like this beigey creamy blonde mm. that has like a hint of gold it's like barbie blonde got it in person but on camera it looks like the color of that blanket dang so it if really i does. made her gray or mm-hmm. made her ashy or you know used purple shampoo on her on film it would look darker so i actually don't tone her that's raw huh i highlight and low light um, I low light her with a 9M in Redken Shades. 9 Mocha? Mm-hmm. You heard it here, folks. If your clients come in with pictures of Savannah. Right? Yeah. Blonde <laughs> me. I never even thought to ask for her color kidding. formula. Right? Shit, give it to us. Yeah. Blonde me, 40 volume. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with Mr. Not salon, no. salon Care 50. <laughs> 50 yeah. volume. And Blondie. wash it with shimmer lights, purple right. shampoo. Start at the roots for you. Start please. at the roots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do blonde me seven volume and then nine M from shades. Okay. Um, and sometimes we'll do every other. Sometimes we'll do every in between every foil. Mm-hmm. Do the low light. It just depends on like, does she want to be a little bit what more lived in? Does yeah. she want? Um, and I don't tone her. Sometimes. When I get her back to the bowl, I will purple shampoo her hair, but not the extensions. Because mm. the extensions and I will purple be shampoo white. her ends, not her roots, where we just bleach. Because these are perfect. Gotcha. But sometimes these, it gets a little yellowy yeah. over and Sometimes time. we'll do like a Malibu treatment or something like that. But I never pull bleach through. I never balayage her ends. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Do you have anything else? I don't. Um. Let's see. I don't think we have anything else on here. Uh-oh. Yes, oh. I do. If what? Who is a dream celebrity client we can manifest for you? Oh gosh, I love Blake Lively. Oh, I love her vibe. 
I love her vibe. Love her hair. I do too. I just love like the lived in, yeah. the like effortless. Um, gosh, it would either be her or Lady Gaga. Oh, and just because <laughs> of like who she is and what she stands yeah, yeah, yeah. for and her platform yes. and you know what she's done for like my community personally, mm-hmm. our community. Mm-hmm. Um, she has you know basically like tied herself to a railroad track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and doesn't care. Mm-hmm. So those would probably probably be my two. We're gonna mm-hmm. manifest those are it two for good you. Ones, yeah, or Julia Roberts. Well, Ooh. I mean, she's mine is Jennifer too. Aniston. Oh, uh, Jennifer Aniston, yeah, Kate Hudson. Yeah. Those two, love it. What are yours? Yeah, I if you could really. have, if you could have a dream celebrity client, I think once upon a time I had dream celebrity clients, but I just, I don't know. I don't even know. She's like, who are celebrities? I who don't. Who are celebrities? <laughs> what is a television? I mean, <laughs> she's a hippie child. I don't want to say because I feel like it would just be. What if like, it happens? Yeah. What about like Florence? Florence. Who's who's Florence? Florence I'm telling she? you, she's a boomer. I'm we not have, a fucking boomer. We have to I educate old, her. Elder millennial. <laughs> <laughs> um. I could totally see you doing Florence's hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to think about that one. I'll give you an answer next week. There you go. It's my homework. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Well, that's all we have for you guys today. Tyler, if they want to find you on social media, how can they find you? My Instagram and TikTok is behind Tyler's chair. Oh, cute. That's actually how I stumbled upon your page is I was looking up behind the chair Mm -hmm. and you popped up and there was was a blue check and I was like, "Hmm, who's this? (laughs) (laughs) And that's how I found you. Um, if you want to find us on social media, I'm at Herrick Hunter on all the things. And I'm Erica the Redhead on all the things. And our podcast is at Breakroom Banter Pod on all the things. If you want additional ways to support us, you can follow our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Breakroom Banter Pod. And until next time, remember. You always have a seat at our table. That's right. Bye. Bye.